Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast, featuring TMA with Nick Hamilton, Extra Dose. This is TMA with Nick Hamilton. Wake your goat mouth ass up. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what this is coming down through the audience, but look like he just came out of the basement. TMA with Nick Hamilton. You know what I'm saying? Thank you because because now. Now we bring on our buddy Nick Hamilton. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to a new edition of TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be on this planet. Hope everybody had a great weekend and a great start to the brand new week. We have a lot to talk about on this episode, so you definitely want to stay tuned. We'll be talking about the weekend that was better known as the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame enshrinement ceremony. We'll also be talking about is this the greatest class of inductees we've ever seen? Also, the WNBA kicked off their 25th season over the weekend. We'll get into that and my three cents where we'll talk about anything from sports, pop culture, politics, or whatever's going on in the world. So you definitely want to stick around to that because you may like it. You may not. Ah, stick around. Find out. Make sure you follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Nick Hamilton LA. You can also keep up with me on Twitter at Nick Hamilton 213. We'll also be getting into the NBA playoff picture is it's well it's kind of set so we'll talk about that also later on in the show first and foremost i definitely want to give uh props to all of the 2020 naismith basketball hall of fame inductees uh as you know last season excuse me last year rather because of the COVID 19 pandemic uh they were unable to conduct the ceremony so they pushed it up a year in the year 2021 this year uh to honor those that deservingly belong in the basketball hall of fame now, I have to agree with LeBron James. LeBron James said this is quite possibly the greatest Hall of Fame class we've ever seen. And I have to agree with him on that. I think when you look at the, the inductees, when you look at Kobe Bryant, you look at Tim Duncan, you look at Kevin Garnett, you look at Tamika Catchings, obviously you look at, uh, you know, uh, the great Eddie Sutton, you look at Rudy Tomdanovich, you look at Kim Mulkey, great names. But the headliners are the three gentlemen and the lady that I mentioned just a few seconds ago. Kevin Garnett. And when you think of Kevin Garnett, obviously you think about his years. uh, Many of you may think about his years with the Boston Celtics going to the uh, the NBA Finals twice, winning the NBA championship, his first and only NBA championship in 2008 against the Los Angeles Lakers as a member of the Celtics after he was traded. Uh, to the Celtics from the Minnesota Timberwolves. You think about the grit. You think about one of the best power forwards that has played the game, a guy that came straight out of high school in 1995, the same guy that Pat Riley kind of frowned upon, didn't give much confidence to. The Tim, the, the Kevin Garnett that pretty much led a franchise in the Minnesota Timberwolves. When you thought about the Minnesota Timberwolves, you thought about Kevin Garnett, even though there were other, you know, significant players that played alongside Kevin Garnett. You thought about Kevin Garnett, the big ticket, as it were. And so that's the greatness of Kevin Garnett. And he went on and joined up with Paul Pierce and Ray Allen at the time to go ahead and compete for NBA championship. And they were successful at that. In 2010, 
they were they returned to the NBA Finals only to lose at that time to Kobe Bryant and the Los Angeles Lakers. But nothing takes away from Kevin Garnett's legacy. Number one overall pick, 1995, straight from high school. And I like what Kevin Garnett had to say because Kevin Garnett has always been a man of history. He understood the game, loved the game, gave his all to the game. At times, we always, we often sometimes criticize Kevin Garnett for almost being too loyal to a franchise, and it almost cost him an opportunity at an NBA championship. But fortunately, he had good people upstairs that were able to really see the potential and what he had to say. And therefore, he was able to make that transition and to make that move to the Boston Celtics to get them their 17th. In the 17th NBA championship in franchise history. Now, I like what Kevin Garnett said. Take a listen to what Kevin Garnett said with his Hall of Fame speech. I thought he had one of the most impactful, uh, humorous, uh, almost tear-jerking Hall of Fame speeches that I've heard. So take a listen as he gave props and credit to those who came before him. I told them I wanted to go first, man, because I know we got the OGs in here. I know y'all got a bedtime in a minute, so I wanted Bill Russell to hear my speech before they all fell asleep. Um, I want to uh, thank uh, Bill Willoughby, uh, Darren Dawkins, Moses Malone, um, Spencer Haywood for the sacrifices that they took that I'm being able to stand up here in front of you guys today. Thank you guys. I really appreciate it. It's a big deal for me. It's a big deal for me to pay homage to the ones that came before me. Magic Johnson, thank you for your inspiration. Michael Jordan, thank you for being a big brother, the constant. I want to thank you for the bald head secrets. I appreciate it. I appreciate it if you give me the secrets on how to grow it back. But um, I want to thank Isaiah Thomas for being up here. It's a huge, it's a huge honor for you to be up here with me, Zeke. Thank you. You know, a lot of people didn't know. A lot of people didn't know uh, back in uh, when I was a young guy in uh, Chicago, Zeke gave me some profound uh, advice, uh, which made me or helped me make a decision of going to straight to high school. So I want to thank you, Zeke. Seriously, thank you. He's right. Like, I loved it. The fact that Isaiah Thomas and, you know, I've criticized Isaiah Thomas before, especially when it came to the Last Dance documentary. But one thing you can say about Isaiah Thomas, Isaiah Thomas is a two-time NBA champion. The man is probably one of the best guys that played the position um, and very impactful in the NBA. And the fact that Isaiah Thomas gave him insight, gave Kevin Garnett insight on what he should do, whether he should go to college or skip college to go straight to the NBA. You don't find too many guys like that that will give younger guys advice like that. So I give a lot of credit to Isaiah Thomas for guiding Kevin Garnett in the right direction and giving him honest solid advice you know kevin garnett is an nba champion as i mentioned earlier he's a 15-time all-star the number one pick in the 1995 nba draft he's a four uh time first first team all nba the man it was astonishing i got a chance to watch kevin garnett you know come out of come out of high school develop into the, the player that he became and let me tell you something Kevin Garnett was the real deal. Uh, so some of you may be listening. Some of you that may be younger may not, may not have had a chance to watch Kevin Garnett in his prime, but that man was everything. That man was worth the price of admission. 
I got a chance to watch Michael Jordan in his prime. I've even gone to games where he when he came to Los Angeles. Obviously, the Clipper games, because that's that at that at that time the Clipper games were cheap at the sports arena. <laughs> so that's the time you got a chance to watch Michael Jordan play basketball. Um and then later on, I got a chance to watch Jordan uh, play in the NBA Finals uh, at the Forum. We, we were able to score tickets and watch Jordan and the Bulls go up against Magic and the Lakers at that time. But anyway, I digress. But that's exactly the type of person that Kevin Garnett was. He gave you his all. So props to Kevin Garnett. Congratulations to him and his family on getting inducted as a member of the 2020 Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. Now, another great power forward we, who we consider probably one of the arguably the best, <clears throat> excuse me, and the greatest power forward of all time, Tim Duncan. Now, Tim Duncan, we all know, is a member of the San Antonio Spurs. Not a flashy dude. Just, you know, listen, put his hard hat on, as they say, came to work, put in the work, and got the job done. The big fundamental. Wasn't flashy, wasn't the most exciting guy, wasn't the most exciting to listen to at times. But you know what? Guess what? That's what it was. That's what it was. He played alongside some great players. When he came into the league as a graduate of Wake Forest, he had a great mentor and admiral in David Robinson. And you had a great Hall of Fame coach in Greg Popovich. He also played alongside two top-notch players to me, in my estimation, in Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili. Had a good defensive uh, player in Bruce Bowen. They were a collective unit. Even though back in the day when I had my fandom and I was a big-time Laker fan, I hated the San Antonio Spurs. I'm not going to lie to you. But I respected Tim Duncan. I respected Tim Duncan and what he represented. Because the man, you had to be ready. That dude gave you his all. Another guy that gave you his all. And you had to be ready. And those epic battles between the Lakers and the Spurs, with the Lakers edging out the Spurs as a team of the decade from 2000 to 2010, but those were epic battles. You remember, Everybody remembers the Derek Fisher shot, the 0.4 shot in San Antonio when the Lakers had to play the Spurs. But there were epic battles between Tim Duncan and Shaquille O'Neal when Shaq was a member of the Lakers. You remember when the, when the San Antonio Spurs swept a young LeBron James in the Cleveland Cavaliers back in 07. Those were the team, those were those Spurs teams that everybody hated, but you had to respect them. And I love the fact of what Tim Duncan said during his Hall of Fame speech to the one of, one of the top-notch coaches in the NBA in Greg Popovich. Take a listen to what he had to say. He's going to be mad at me, but the standard you set, you showed up after I got drafted, you came to my island, you sat with my friends, my family, you talked with my dad, I thought that was normal. It's not. You're an exceptional person. Thank you for teaching me about basketball. But even beyond that, teach me that's not all about basketball. 
It's about what's happening in the world, about your family, um, just for everything. Thank you for being the amazing human being that you are. Tim Duncan, five-time NBA champ, 15-time All-Star, 10-time first-team All-NBA. That was Tim Duncan. And if you go on my Instagram, at Nick Hamilton LA, I posted up, I happened to find some behind-the-scenes footage, old, old footage. I believe this was probably at the, the Sprite commercial that Kobe Bryant and Tim Duncan did back in the day um, and how Kobe was praising Tim Duncan and, and praising his name, Duncan. You know, um, that was something that was that was priceless, man. And, and you had guys that came just from a great era. Just from a great, great era. And that type of basketball, those type of players, we won't ever see again. And Tim Duncan is one of them. Definitely well-deserved the Hall of Fame. So congratulations to Tim Duncan and his family on being inducted into the 2020 Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. Also want to give props to another individual. Give props to the ladies. Uh, Tamika Catches, a.k.a. Catch. I had a chance to witness Catch play, uh, you know, covering the L.A. Sparks for as long as I've covered them. Got a chance to watch those battles between the Indiana Fever and the L.A. Sparks a couple of times a year. And it was amazing to watch this young lady perform on the court. I mean, she was such a tenacious player, uh, but knew the game, had great court vision. Uh, this is a, you know, she was a 2012 WNBA champion, 10-time WNBA All-Star, five-time WNBA Defensive Player of the Year. She's a four-time uh, Olympic gold medalist with Team USA, 10-time WNBA All-Star, and she was the WNBA MVP in 2011. Imagine that. And she did not let her 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 disability define her. She defined her. And that was one of the greatest moments, I thought, to me, of her speech to allow people to let them know, look, I define me. Nothing else defines me in so many words. And I have a tremendous amount of respect for Tamika Catchings. I have a tremendous amount of respect for what she's given to the game of basketball overall. And she's definitely well-deserving of being inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame. And she represented the WNBA well, the University of Tennessee, the late great Pat Summit. And she definitely raised the bar for not just women's basketball, but for basketball in general. Greatness defined, greatness personified. And she made sure that she went out and, comp and competed every single night. She never took nights off. Again, I've had a privilege to watch her up close and personal. Never took nights off. So props to her. Props to the WNBA. And congratulations to Tamika Catchings and her family. Last but certainly not least, the late, great Kobe Bryant was also honored at the 2020 Basketball Hall of Fame. Kobe Bryant defied the odds.
This was a young man that was drafted out of high school also in 1996. To me, probably one of the greatest NBA classes, draft classes that I have ever seen. Kobe Bryant was drafted by the then the Charlotte Hornets, later on traded to the L.A. Lakers thanks to Jerry West's impeccable wisdom and vision. And Kobe Bryant made a name for himself. Kobe Bryant, when we talk about the Mamba mentality, Kobe Bryant was able to reinvent himself and create the Mamba mentality. Mamba mentality was always with him. It just wasn't a catchphrase at that time when he first came into the league. This is the same man that shot air balls in Utah. And was not scared to do it and came right back the next year and shot much better than he did in those playoff games. This was a man that, that was defined to be one of the greatest to play the game. That was his mindset. He demanded that of his teammates. He demanded that of himself. And that was his lifestyle. Kobe Bryant was definitely a generational talent, a global icon. This was a man that is, was larger than life. As I've said before, he was bigger than Michael Jordan. He was bigger than LeBron James. Like we can debate if he did. Some people think he's better or not better than those two individuals. We could debate that all day. But fact is, the man was the biggest of them all. The man was bigger than Yao Ming in his own homeland. As I've said before, this was the same individual that had people hanging off trees and standing on cars, crying just to get a glimpse of him walking down the street in China and in the Philippines and parts of Southeast Asia and all over the world for that much, for that matter. Kobe Bryant was that guy. And Vanessa Bryant, props to Vanessa Bryant first and foremost. This lady is the, the epitome of strength, endurance, you talk about Mamba mentality and all that she's had to go through since the untimely passing of her husband and having to raise her daughters and continue to be a mother and losing a daughter as well in Gianna Bryant, God rest her soul. Vanessa Bryant elocuted one of the best speeches I have heard in a very long time talking about another, another person. And that person was Kobe Bryant. Take a listen to what Vanessa had to say uh, regarding giving props to her late husband, Kobe Bryant. I can see him now, arms folded, with a huge grin saying, isn't this some <laughs> He's still winning. Yeah, ain't it? Ain't that some? Yeah. I can only imagine, and I can, as she was vividly telling that story, I can see, I can imagine Kobe doing that. Can't you? And the rest of her speech was phenomenal. Kobe Bryant, 20 years in the NBA, all with the Los Angeles Lakers, 18-time All-Star, 11-time first team in All-NBA, 2008 MVP, two-time finals MVP, two-time Olympic gold medalist with Team USA, helping to bring the being part of that redeemed team and getting Team USA back on the winning track. 81-point performance, five-time NBA champ, and also the slam dunk champion. So now forget that. He wasn't afraid to get into the dunk contest. Kobe was fearless. 
and he loved the game and gave so much back to the game even in his retirement the man is also the first professional basketball player to win an oscar dig that and i talked to quite a many players over the course of the weekend you can catch uh my write-up on nightcastmedia.com and i talked to people like candace parker uh diana tarazi uh neka gumake dodgers manager dave roberts um several other people that we were able to talk talk to or you know listen to their stories about uh what kobe bryant meant to them um you go on my instagram page i posted all that content on there as well uh just hearing lebron james talk about the impact of kobe bryant and what kobe meant to him and meant to the the, the world of basketball uh you hear about tamika catchings and there you know kobe and hers interaction as far as being young kids and then later on you know connecting and you know uh, uh developing that basketball uh, uh friendship and what have you so kobe bryant will definitely be missed he will never be forgotten and i want to leave you all with this before we go to break it's something that vanessa bryant beautifully knocked out of the park when she ended her speech and I want you guys to take a quick listen. And, and all the audio, let me say this, all audio is courtesy of ESPN. Take a listen, and we'll be right back. You're checking out TMA with Nick Hamilton on Sirius XM, Slam Radio 145. Take a listen to what Vanessa Bryant had to say and how she ended that great speech. All of your hard work and sacrifices paid off. You once told me, if you're going to bet on someone, bet on yourself. I'm glad you bet on yourself, you overachiever. You did it. You're in the Hall of Fame now. You're a true champ. You're not just an MVP. You're an all-time great. Yo, what's up? Baby, let's go! This is Tua Tungo Bailoa. Yo, Sway Calloway. This is Spice Adams. This is Michael, the playmaker Every What's up? This is Grok, and you're listening to Slam, Slam Radio. Radio. Serious XM. Yeah! All right, y'all, welcome back to TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. Make sure you hit me up on Twitter at NickHamilton213. Now, before we get on to the next topic, I definitely want to give uh, props and credit to the 2021 class of the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame that was announced also on Sunday. Uh, ben Wallace, Chris Bosch, Paul Pierce from the, uh, the Boston Celtics, Tony Kukoc, Bill Russell as a coach, ain't that something? Jay Wright, Rick Adelman, uh, and then the ladies, of course, Lauren Jackson and Yolanda Griffin. So congratulations to all those for the class of 2021. They will be inducted next year uh, in the Basketball Hall of Fame. But a quick thing, Lauren Jackson, man, I remember those, those epic battles between Lauren Jackson and Lisa Legend, better known as Lisa Leslie, and... There were some epic battles between Seattle and the L.A. Sparks. Of course, I'm a ride with Lisa Legend, but Lauren Jackson definitely earned her way into the Basketball Hall of Fame. And Yolanda Griffin, to me, the first time I saw Yolanda Griffin play, she put the Sacramento Monarchs, the team at that time, on the map. She was all that. If you didn't get a chance to watch her, go find some YouTube clips. That woman was a beast on the floor. And I mean that with all due respect. She was incredible. 
So I'm definitely happy for Yolanda Griffith for being uh, inducted into the 2021 class. Congratulations to all of the inductees. We look forward to seeing them next year uh, in the Basketball Hall of Fame, especially Chris Webber, man. And did you guys get a chance to see Chris Webber and, and Jalen Rose, man, give each other love? Man, I thought that was a beautiful situation. Uh, you, we know there was some there was there's been tension over the years between those two because of the five five days and what transpired with that, but it was great to see those two give each other love and, and, and credit and, and as men really just man up and really just hold their own and really show each other love publicly. I thought that was a beautiful thing. Uh, I thought that was you know I have a lot of respect for Jalen Rose, a lot of respect for Chris Webb. I think these are two intelligent brothers that have definitely made, carved their own niche and carved their own pathway. I mean, hell, they set a trend along with uh, Jawan Howard uh, and the rest of those guys from the five, five, five era. I mean, they set a trend that would never be duplicated ever again. And so it, it's, it's, it's great to see that. If you didn't get a chance to see it, check out my Instagram at Nick Hamilton LA. I told you I got you covered, baby. Go ahead and check it out. You definitely don't want to miss that moment. All right, the WNBA kicked off its 25th season over the weekend. Uh, you had the L.A. I mean, a lot of moving and shaking. You had the L.A. Sparks with the departure of Candace Parker and Chelsea Gray, but you still had Neka Gumake, who, who seems to be the face that runs the place, uh, going up against Charlie Collier, who was the number one overall pick in the 2021 WNBA draft, uh, and the Dallas, uh, the Dallas uh, team coming into the la convention center on opening night and let me tell you something even though charlie Collier was quiet she still had a double double and that team not uh the dallas wings de- de- defeated the la sparks 94 71 and let me tell you something the dallas team may not be too shabby and this spark is going to be a very long season i think for the la sparks ain't going to be easy they got they have some talent on that team absolutely but it's definitely not going to be easy. And they're going to have a lot of struggles, I think, this season. They'll win some games. They'll struggle. There'll be some tight you know, losses as well. But then there'll be some, some losses like we, like we saw on Friday night for this team. But I tell you what, one of the most incredible, exciting games I watched was the Phoenix Mercury against the Minnesota Lynx. And that thing came down to the wire. And if you were, I had a chance to talk to Brittany Griner at the end of the game. But let me, and, and also Diana Tarazi. But let me tell you, that final play, when Brittany Griner threw that, threw the rebound, kicked it out. I mean, she launched that ball out to Diana Tarazi, who had been struggling from the three point line that game. And Tarazi, in true white mom before, rose to the occasion and is truly captain clutch because she knocked down a three-pointer and ended up being the game winner uh they went on the next night and uh lost so the, the phoenix mercury are one and one but the one thing that stood out to me about the phoenix mercury is the fact that they all talked about their defensive presence they're confident in the offensive side of the ball which they have a lot of playmakers they got a lot of offensive weapons but the defense is what's really going to carry them this season, if they want to be successful and get not only playing for the Commissioner's Cup, which is an extra game on their home floor, but also being able to be in contention for a WNBA championship. Now, you talk about another young lady who had ice in her veins 
Sabrina from the New York Liberty, who we didn't get a chance to watch last season due to injury, but she is fully healthy this season, and she is balling out of control. And against the Indiana Fever, she had ice in her veins, knocked down a three-pointer, got the Liberty the first win of the season. The Liberty are now, uh, what are they, 2-0 and now? Yeah, Liberty are 2-0. They beat they they uh they're on a roll. They are on a roll. I love it. I was excited for this season. I'm glad to see other NBA guys like Chris Paul and other guys really show love and show support to the WNBA because these ladies have gone through a lot. They've gone through a lot. The Chicago Sky with Candace Parker added to the fold. Courtney Vandersloot, they won their first game and beat the brakes off the Washington Mystics on Saturday. Candace Parker looked like the, the true future Hall of Famer that she is. Um, and then you had the Las Vegas Aces who had to ho- open up against the S- Seattle Storm, the same team that they faced in the bubble in the WNBA Finals. The Aces are now 0-5 thus far since last season against the Seattle Storm. And that didn't sit well with Asia Wilson, who, who finished off with 24 points. And you know Bill Lane Beer, he don't cut any corners. He tells it like it is and not like it was. And Bill Lane Beer was not excited about the win, about the loss. Uh, he criticized a lot of his players, duly noted. Uh, but Seattle looked like they continued to roll from last season. Brianna Stewart looked absolutely incredible. Finished with a double-double and 28 points, 13 rebounds. Congratulations to her as well because she just signed a new deal with Puma. Uh, so that's going to be interesting moving forward. I think that's great for the game. Um, WNBA is, is starting to turn its corner when it comes to, to, to promotion. Now, listen, don't get me wrong. I think they have a long ways to go. I even tweeted that out. But they are taking a couple of steps in the right direction to turn it all around. And to me... This is a league, if you lasted 25 years, and a lot of a lot of people weren't sure it was going to last that long. You had teams folding. They went down. I think they had 20-something teams at one, one time, and they folded to down to 12. And they had a couple teams change locations over the course of time. But I like the direction the WNBA is going in. And there's a lot of stories going on, a lot of storylines, a lot of stories with these young ladies. And I've said it time and time again, these young ladies play hard each and every night. They don't take nights off. Every time they step on the floor, you're going to get some type of competitive uh, play. You're going to get some exciting plays sometimes. You're going to get some nail biters. And they definitely, thus far, have lived up to the hype. So props to the WNBA for doing what they've done. Because it ain't easy. It is not easy at all. And I'm looking forward to this season. I know it's an Olympic break coming up, and that's going to kind of throw throw a monkey wrench in the flow of the season, but I think it's going to be exciting. I'm looking forward to the women's team USA this year because I don't think the men's team USA is going to be worth crap because I don't think the main superstar is going to play because of the time length and when the season ends. And I can't blame them. But I think these ladies are going to be significant and they're going to bring home gold. I think Team USA, the ladies basketball Team USA team, is going to bring home gold this year in the Olympics. 
Definitely banking on them. The NBA playoffs are finally upon us. Now, the teams are pretty much set, except for a few. You got the play-in games. So now we have, we know, obviously, in the West, I'll start with the Western Conference. You got the Utah Jazz, who will face the play-in winner in the eighth seed. You have the L.A. Clippers uh, hosting the Dallas Mavericks, a repeat of what we saw in the bubble last year. Uh, you have the Denver Nuggets against the sixth seed Portland Trailblazers. And I think that's going to be a very exciting and dynamic series between those two clubs. Uh, Portland fights hard every year in the playoffs. You got Damian Lillard, CJ McCullum, uh, Nurkic. Th- that's going to be a very exciting series. Uh, you got Jokic, who I believe is the league MVP, uh, without Jamal Murray, but they've they've managed to, to maintain a top four seed without Jamal Murray. And I think the Denver Nuggets are going to be a very dangerous team in the playoffs, and whoever faces them is going to have to bring their A game, and then some. And then you have the number two seed, Phoenix Suns, against the playing winner who will be in the seventh seed. And that's going to be very interesting because you got a seventh and eighth seed in the Lakers and the Warriors coming up uh, tomorrow, Wednesday night, at Staples Center. The Lakers, who will seem to be healthy now, we know there's been some questions about LeBron's ankle. There have been pictures on the sideline of him warming up. Uh, with his ankle, he hasn't been ha- he has he doesn't have that same movement or step that we've been accustomed to because of the ankle situation, which I don't think he's 100 percent or or maybe not even 90 percent. But he's still going to get out there and give it his all. And I give a lot of respect and props to LeBron James for being able to come back. But there's certain things that when LeBron steps on the floor, you know what you're going to get. and You know what you're going to have to defend against, uh, whether it's going to be his shooting, whether it's going to be him you know, dominating and, and really just being in attack mode uh, to the basket or him, you know, finding the open guy and kicking it out to the open guy. You know, LeBron is almost a triple threat. And that's what teams have to be aware of, especially with Anthony Davis on the floor, who's been absolutely phenomenal in his return back. I don't want to hear anything about you clowns calling him soft. I don't want to hear none of that stuff, because how the hell could you call that man soft and saw the numbers that he's been putting up in the last five or six games. You people are idiots. All of you. There's no way in hell you're going to call that man soft and that man has played and scored and, and created opportunities for players on the floor as well as been a, a dominant presence on the floor while he's been playing. Shut the hell up. I don't want to hear it. But I'm going to tell you something. The Los Angeles Lakers better be very careful because the Golden State Warriors have been on a tear lately, and they are feeling themselves. And when Steph Curry is in that zone, and we heard LeBron James say on Sunday, in his opinion, he believes that the MVP should be Steph Curry. And I can't say I disagree with him. However, I don't know if that's going to come to fruition. But he does deserve to be in the conversation. I will say that much. But the way that Steph Curry's been playing without clay thompson and that there's been ebbs and flows and ups and downs and smiles and frowns when it comes to the golden state warriors season this year steph curry is definitely a guy to keep on notice and this is not going to be an easy game it's not going to be a runaway game the warriors are coming to play and if they have to knock off the lakers to get to their point to get into the playoffs and to be a, a, a higher seed than the eighth seed in the playoffs then so be it so the lakers better be Better be very careful. 
they better be they better play with control they better set the tempo early and make sure guys are where they're supposed to be and play their type of basketball because if the warriors get out open and start to run their type of offense it's gonna be a long night so i'm excited to watch that game you got the ninth and 10th seed the memphis grizzlies and john moran against the san antonio spurs that's a toss-up to me i don't know which way it's going to go but it's going to be very very interesting to see what happens with that on the in the eastern conference you got the number one seed philadelphia 76ers led by ben simmons and joel and along with head coach doc rivers in his first year uh with the club tobias harris has been playing out of his mind that is the x factor for the 76ers is tobias harris they're going to await the playing winner uh in the ac for the uh, playing tournament you have the new york knicks that's right the knicks uh, ho- hosting the atlanta hawks the fourth and fifth seeds will clash i i like the knicks in this series i like julius randall and what he's been able to accomplish i think he's definitely put this team on his back he is an all-star this year well deserving and he's played like one especially in the second half of the season and with tom thibodeau Derek Rose and no and, and everybody else on the floor, but Tom Thibodeau's defense and that defensive blueprint and pressure. Uh, it's gonna be tough for the Atlanta Hawks to really, really make some noise in this series. So I'm gonna come out and say I got the Knicks in this series. You got the third uh third seed Milwaukee Bucks against the sixth seed Miami Heat. Good series. Then you got the second. See uh, Brooklyn Nets who will play the winner of the playing game in the seventh seed. Now the playing games are going to be interesting because you have the Indiana Pacers against the Charlotte Hornets. Everybody thinks that LaMelo Ball is the rookie of the year. And if that's what you think, okay, that's your opinion. I don't think that. I've said that if you go check out uh, Jackie Ray's show called uh, Challenge Accepted on the Fumble Sports on YouTube, her and I actually discussed that. And I told you who my rookie of the year was. So go check it out and find out who I think the rookie of the year is. Uh, in the seventh and eighth seed, you got the Boston Celtics against Russell Westbrook, Mr. Triple Dub himself, and, and Bradley Beal and the Washington Wizards. Now, that's going to be an interesting game because I don't know what team is going to show up. Are we going to see the Boston Celtics team that's been the team that's going to get into playoff mode and, and be a battle a battle? Uh, tested playoff team i don't know are we going to watch russell westbrook and bradley beal and be the washington wizards and, uh, and see if they get into the playoffs don't know it's going to be interesting but i'll tell you what this is going to be a very interesting playoff season there's a lot of storylines in this there's a lot of matchups that i like to see and i tell you what This is what I've been waiting on. And the L.A. Lakers. Can they repeat as champions? Can they repeat as champions with the hole they've dug themselves? And again, I mean, injuries happen. And it's really unfortunate those injuries happen at the time that they happen. Because I think if they would have happened in the first half of the season, the Lakers would have been probably a top four seed, if not the fourth seed, at least. Um in the Western Conference. But unfortunately, you know, injuries never have a watch. They strike at any time. The Los Angeles Clippers, when you have Serge Ibaka 
coming back. Rajon Rondo. Now we get to see playoff Rondo. You got Boogie Cousins. Uh, you know, Kawhi and PG. This is their moment to shine. This is their redemption, what I call redemption playoff year. This is the opportunity for them to redeem themselves for what they didn't accomplish last season inside the bubble. Blowing a 3-1 lead. The Los Angeles Clippers have a golden opportunity to make noise and potentially make history from a franchise standpoint. Because as I've said before, and I'll say it again, this is a team that has to get to the NBA Finals to secure the future of Kawhi Leonard. You understand what I'm saying? So the LA Clippers have got to get to the NBA Finals. I don't care who they have to go through. They've got to get to the NBA Finals. They don't. Kawhi Leonard experiment is a bust. Now, what do you do? I don't believe in Utah Jazz. I think they were a great regular season team, but I think they're fool's gold. I don't see them. They're going to have to prove to me that you're a serious contender because I don't buy it. If you make it to the NBA Finals or you make it to the Conference Finals, for that matter, okay, I'll take you a little more seriously than I do right now. And Rudy Gobert is a talented defender. Spider Mitchell, love watching Spider Mitchell play. Dynamic talent. But overall, as a team, regular season, fantastic. Playoffs, playoffs, not so much. So I ain't buying it. Say what you want. So I'm looking forward to this week in the playoff playing picture scenario. It's going to be fun. Hope you guys tune in. Uh, starts Wednesday. We'll see what happens. All right, y'all, coming up on the other side of the break. We will get into my three cents when I talk about anything and everything from the world of sports, pop culture, uh, politics, whatever it is. I'm going to talk about it. Make sure you stay tuned. You're checking out TMA with Nick Hamilton here on SiriusXM, Slam Radio 145. Stay tuned. This is SiriusXM 145, Slam Radio. All right, everybody. Welcome back to TMA with Nick Hamilton in our final segment. So here's my three cents where I talk about anything, everything, as you well know. I'm sure a lot of you have seen over the course of time and probably the last couple of weeks, the city of Oakland, everybody's vacating the city of Oakland as far as sports teams are concerned. We all know how raggedy the, the politics are in the city of Oakland and Alameda County. I'm sure some of my Bay Area people can attest to that. But we saw the departure of the Golden State Warriors leaving Oracle Arena, moving across the bay to San Francisco to the Chase Center. We also saw the departure of the Oakland Raiders moving to Las Vegas, becoming the Las Vegas Raiders in their brand new state-of-the-art stadium and Allegiant Stadium. And now it appears that another Oakland team is preparing to depart the city of Oakland after many attempts of trying to stay many attempts of trying to get a stadium built even along the waterfront and there was a point in time where the oakland a's tried to move to san jose before they were stopped now after they were given permission by mlb commissioner rod manford they've decided to explore other options so there are a few cities in mind 
where the Oakland A's could relocate because in the next couple of years, I don't see them staying in Oakland. That is a dump of a Coliseum. If you've ever been to Oakland Alameda Coliseum, it is a freaking dump. It is one of the worst sports complexes I've ever been to. And I was there for a Raider game and a Charger game once many years ago. And it was a crap shoot then and it's probably even crappier now. So I don't blame the Oakland A's for wanting to leave. And if fans and people in that area want to get mad at the Oakland A's, don't get mad at the Oakland A's. Get mad at your local politicians who decided to run rampant and move and force teams to move. The mayor, the city council people are the main reasons why the sports teams have departed out of Oakland. It's not because they just want to up and leave. They're being forced out. They're not getting the amenities that they need to compete. So what do you do? Get the hell out of Dodge. And that's exactly what the Oakland A's are doing. Or at least attempting to do. What's interesting is the fact that there are a few cities that the Oakland A's could possibly move to. Charlotte, North Carolina happens to be one of them. I don't see them moving to Charlotte. I think Charlotte is just fine with the Carolina Panthers and trying to hold on to the Charlotte Hornets, who are actually destined for the playoffs this year. They have a nice buzz with LaMelo Ball. I think they're doing, you know, they're moving, seem like they're moving in the right direction. I don't think, even though they, they are the banking capital of the nation, I don't see them moving to Charlotte, North Carolina, and Charlotte being able to host a team, uh, any kind of other professional sports team. So I think that's out. Montreal, everybody wants the Montreal, wants the Expos to come back. I don't know what the tax base and what the taxes are, what they are in Canada. I can't see Montreal right now in this climate getting a team. I, I would love to see the Expos come back. I would love to see the Expos come back, but I don't think that's the, I don't think they are the team to move to Montreal. Nashville, Tennessee. We all know they're the home of the Titans. We know Memphis is down the ways and they have the Memphis Grizzlies, who are also in the playoff hunt. But I don't think Tennessee is the right spot for the Oakland A's to move. I don't think that region is going to be enough to be, to make Major League Baseball think that they can sustain a team of that magnitude moving forward. Portland, Oregon is another opportunity. I don't see Portland, Oregon. I think Portland is way too small. They're barely holding on to an NBA franchise, and they do a great job with that NBA franchise as far as supporting their team. But I don't think that that is the right move for the Oakland A's. I think if you're the Oakland A's, the best thing to do is follow the other team that, that you share the stadium with and move into Las Vegas. The reason why I say Las Vegas is the, probably the best option, one, Las Vegas has become a sports metropolis within the last five years. You saw evidence of that with the Vegas Golden Knights. You also saw evidence, obviously, the Raiders. The Raiders could go anywhere. The Raiders are one of those premier franchises that can go to Timbuktu and still have fans because it's the Raiders and the tradition that they hold and have held, not just in the NFL, but in the sports landscape overall. So the Raiders can actually go anywhere. I thought Vegas was the perfect place for them to go to. You have the Las Vegas Aces. When you go to Vegas, you see the Las Vegas Aces plastered everywhere. And within five years, do not be surprised if you see an NBA franchise in Las Vegas. So now 
you can add possibly a baseball franchise, a major league baseball franchise to that sports metropolis. And as people continue to move there, as property continues to be sold, you could that might be a great destination for, for the Oakland A's. And guess what? Major League Baseball doesn't have to do any type of realignment. The A's can still remain in the AL West. They'll just be the Las Vegas A's or whatever they decide to call them. And they'll still be in the AL West, along with the LA Angels, Seattle Mariners, Texas Rangers, and Houston Astros. And hey, guess what? You know it's going to be a dome stadium because it's too damn hot in the summer to have an open door stadium. And before you go any further, yes, I understand that there, there are struggles when it comes to baseball being in the desert. We know what's going on with the Arizona Diamondbacks and their struggle with Chase Field. And we know the attendance records. But I will say Phoenix, Arizona ain't Las Vegas. With so much to do in Las Vegas and so many things that, that are happening and continue to be built in Vegas, there's plenty of money to make sure that the Oakland A's or the Las Vegas A's, whatever you decide to call them, are going to be successful in that market. I don't think Rob Manafort and I don't think the MLB would allow them to, to the Oakland A's to seek other, other venues, including Las Vegas, if they weren't sure that this team could actually make it. And there's no disrespect to the cities that I've mentioned, but you got to understand this is about making money. This is about attracting money and attracting fans on a pretty consistent basis and making sure that they can sustain and hold down a team like a Major League Baseball team. So this is why I'm saying I think the Oakland A's would, would serve better in Las Vegas more than any other market that I mentioned. Because the Oakland A's actually are one of the historic franchises. A lot of players have gone through that organization and made names for themselves, already had a name and continued to have extra life added to their career. And Las Vegas is a haven for baseball players. There's a lot of talent in Las Vegas when it comes to baseball players. Who knows? If the Oakland A's decide to move to Las Vegas, and let's say Bryce Harper is in year six or year seven and wants to get out the deal and he wants to come back home and play for his hometown team, there's your star right there. So, again, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the future of the Oakland A's. But I do think in the next couple of years, everybody's vacating Oakland. And I, I wouldn't surprise me the least if they move to the 702 and take up residence there and be able to build a culture in Las Vegas. Another thing on Wednesday, the L.A. Sparks have announced they're going to have a press conference to honor the career of Simone Augustus. I know there was a lot of talk on Twitter uh, that I saw over the weekend about uh, folks not honoring Simone Augustus and all that she's accomplished. She is a four-time WNBA champion with the Minnesota Lynx alongside uh, Maya Moore at that time. Uh, she was able to uh, leave the Minnesota Lynx and head over to the LA Sparks where she played a couple of seasons. Um, Listen, I think Simone Augustus deserves to be in the Hall of Fame one day when she gets that call. And I hope that the, that the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame gives her that call because she's well-deserving of it. And all she's given to the game, all she's done for the game, Money Moan has definitely earned her path to the Basketball Hall of Fame. 
But here's what I say also, too. I don't blame Simone Augustus or anybody around her camp for not making sure that she was out. She was given her flowers because I do believe she should have been given her flowers way better than what they what people had to drum up. Uh, you know, conversations about Simone Augustus. I blame once again the WNBA for their lack of being able to uphold and really celebrate their legends and their superstars. Again, as I said before, I think they, they've slightly turned the corner, but they have a long way to go, especially when you don't hear the name Simone Augustus more often than what's been put on social media and what's been put on Twitter. So props to Simone Augustus for her illustrious career. Congratulations to Simone Augustus. And she will be one of the assistant coaches on the LA Sparks staff under head coach Derek Fisher. So that should be interesting to see how that continues to flow. And I can see Simone Augustus being a head coach one day if she so desires to go down that pathway. Because I think she would be an excellent coach. She knows the game, very high basketball IQ, uh, relatable to players. And this is a great opportunity for her to, to, to really get her coaching, her, her coaching legs under her. So congratulations once again to Simone Augustus. Uh, looking forward to that press conference on Wednesday. Albert Pujols is now officially a member of the L.A. Dodgers. Had a chance to uh, get to know him from a Dodgers perspective on Monday afternoon as the Dodgers hosted a press conference. And Albert Pujols brought a lot of clarity when it came to what actually happened between him and the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. And remember the narrative that came out that said, oh, Pujols wants more playing time. Pujols wants this. Pujols wants that. He didn't want to be benched. Well, some of that was true and some of that was not. Now, the fact that he did not want to be benched, that was true. The fact that he said he wanted, he wanted more playing time, well, he actually made sure that he made that clear that he was willing to take any role that the Los Angeles Angels and Joe Madden was willing to give him. He was willing to do whatever it took to ensure the team have a better chance at winning and trying to make a strong playoff push. However, something happened in between. Communication breakdown, I don't specifically know. Uh, I read the reports from Bob Nightingale. I read some other reports from some other uh, stories that I've written. I mean, excuse me, that, that were written, rather. Uh, that said that Joe Madden and Albert Pujols didn't necessarily see eye to eye when it came to his future. So the Los Angeles Dodgers called. He answered his agent answered the phone. And according to Albert Pujols, he holds no hard feelings. He understands it's a business, but he wants to make it clear that it wasn't about playing time. And he said the same. He echoed the same sentiments when it came to what he thought his role would be with the L.A. Dodgers. And he said, hey, wherever they want me, I have to play some first base. If I have to pinch hit, whatever it is, I'm willing to do and help this team win a championship. So that was Albert Pujols. And I think he still has some, some gas left in the tank. I think he still has quite a bit left in the tank. Enough to finish out a year. And as I said on another show, I think the Los Angeles, Los Angeles Angels did him a true disservice because it made it seem like if you're the Angels and you have a superstar of that caliber, a future Hall of Famer, first ballot Hall of Famer, 
I think it behooves you as an organization to try to work some things out, even behind the scenes, to come to some sort of compromise to show from an optical standpoint that we take care of our stars. If you recall what the Dodgers did with Chase Utley, now we all know Chase Utley was, was done before he decided to be done. But the Dodgers took a different approach. The Dodgers made sure that they had Chase Utley leave on his terms the way he wanted to leave out. Same thing with the L.A. Lakers with Kobe Bryant. The same way they're probably going gonna to handle Pyle Gasol at some point. You look at organizations that take care of their players, and this is why you have big name, bigger name players wanting to play for these organizations because they see how they treated their previous superstar or stars. This is why you have the Lakers and the Dodgers. And, you know, there were some other teams out there that take care of their people. Look at Dustin Brown with the L.A. Kings. They went ahead and hired his wife as one of the scouts. They want to make sure they take care of their own. Same thing with, with, with Jonathan Quick. They making sure they take care of their own. So you can't hurt, you can't help, but notice those type of things. And if you're a player or you're a superstar player or a star player and you're looking for a new destination, some of the organizations that you may want to consider. But if you're the Los Angeles Angels, I think I believe they dropped the ball on this one. Now I understand that Albert Pujols is at, near the end of his the, the tail end of his career, but again, from an optical standpoint, I don't think they made the right decision as it pertains to how they handled Albert Pujols, especially at this point of the season. But the Dodgers, as they say, one man's trash is another man's treasure. The Dodgers saw treasure, signed him up for the rest of the season. I think he's going to have a significant impact uh, in the Dodgers locker room. He he knows a lot of those guys over there. As he mentioned, he talked about Kershaw. He talked about a lot of those other guys over there, Justin Turner. So I think it's going to be a nice matchup, especially with the way the Dodgers are battling injuries right now. They can use all the help they can get until those guys get back healthy, especially guys like Corey Seager, uh, who's going to be out probably next to, next three to four weeks. Unfortunately, uh, Corey Seager doesn't have to have surgery, which is a good thing. So he can just sit back and let that bone heal and get it ready uh, for the rest of the season because they're definitely going to need Corey Seager if they're going to make any type of run at a at a repeat championship. So it's going to be interesting to see what goes on. All right, y'all, that is my time for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you missed any portion of the broadcast, make sure you download or subscribe on all streaming platforms. I like to thank Slam Radio. I like to thank Sirius XM and everybody for listening. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at NickHamilton213. Make sure you follow me on Instagram and Facebook at NickHamiltonLA. All right, y'all, be safe. Take care of each other. I'm out. The views and opinions expressed on TMA with Nick Hamilton Extra Dose are entirely those of the host, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio.